Since I'm already banned from YouTube this week for refusing to pretend that men are women, I might as well make the most of it by calling your attention to the degenerate display that recently took over the White House. Welcome to the White House. Thank you. <laughs> Happy Pride Month. Happy Pride Year. Happy Pride Life. Yeah. Transgender children. You are beautiful. You are heard. You belong. You are understood. You are loved. And you belong. Yeah. One of the bravest and most inspiring people I've ever known. I mean, you're transvestite strippers. Bravest people I've ever seen. Can we take a little video? Hi, Mr. President. It is an honor of trans rights or human rights. <laughs> this is the lawn of the White House. And then there we go. Topless transvestite strippers jigging, jiggling around on the lawn right there, right in front of the White House, on the White House grounds. Creepy weird, deeply disheartening. Not just these men who are obviously in need of deep psychiatric and spiritual help, but the White House staff and the president himself who hosted it. The transvestites who put on a strip show at the White House are scandalous, but the real degenerates are our rulers who invited them and cheer them on. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. In just a moment, we will get to the big news of 2024. Pence Mentum. The Pence campaign officially kicking off. We'll get to that in a second. First, though, I had a big debate with my producers before the show. I, in fact, I brought Brett Cooper into it because she was sitting next to me in the makeup chair. What were we supposed to blur out in that scene at the White House? The fact that we have to blur anything out at the White House the executive mansion for the United States government is really, really sad. I guess it's been that way since at least the Clinton era. But it's really sad that it's now out in the open. Used to be when naughty things would happen at the White House, it would be behind closed doors, locked in the Oval Office. Now it's right out there on the lawn. You've got these, these men and women taking their clothing off and jiggling around in a sexual manner right there in front of the president. But the reason it was confusing is because there's a man who has breast implants, and he's covering himself mercifully, but he's, he's a guy with breast implants. And then there are women who chopped their breasts off and are showing off their scores, also topless. What do you censor? I came down on the side of, you blur out the actual women's breasts or surgically removed breasts. You don't necessarily censor the man's chest because Men take their shirts off at the beach. That's fine. It's not considered sexual. But when the men mutilate themselves to appear to be like women, do you then, what do you, I guess what you should do is blur it all. I guess that's what we should have done, right? We should censor all of this because it's obscene. And even, gosh, I don't know, a year ago, probably, certainly five or six years ago, we would have censored all of this, that the idea that this would be at the White House would be absolutely unthinkable. For most of American history, we not only prohibited, but actively prosecuted people who engaged in all of this kind of behavior. 
Even just regular old cross-dressing, not even the stuff at the White House, regular old cross-dressing was illegal throughout much of the United States, including San Francisco, which is now drag capital of America. And over the years, the people have wanted to continue to enforce these standards and norms, but it's our degenerate elite liberal ruling class that has constantly undermined the will of the people, whether that's through legislation. I think about the Communications Decency Act, Child Online Protection Act in the 1990s, both of which were designed with with bipartisan support. Republicans and Democrats, Congress and the White House pushed this legislation to say, hey, we don't want this weird porn stuff everywhere. And then it was an elite liberal judge who struck it down and pretended that James Madison enshrined the right to, I don't know, to jiggle around on the internet and access all sorts of weird images. Not the case. The the transvestites have their own problems and we, we need to make sure that we encourage them to behave in a way that's conducive to human flourishing, their own and societies. But the, the transvestites are just deeply troubled people who probably come from all sorts of bad circumstances and have all sorts of bad ideas and have been encouraged in their delusions by irresponsible leaders. The, the, real, the real corruption, well, it's all corrupt, but the far deeper corruption is in the ruling class. And you're seeing this, forget about the sex stuff for a second, you're seeing this, especially right now, in the Bidens, in their plain, regular, old, corrupt business dealings. So this allegation came out about a week ago that Hunter and Joe Biden took millions of dollars in bribes from Ukrainian muckety-mucks in exchange for Biden, who was then the vice president of the United States and Barack Obama's point man on Ukraine, getting a prosecutor fired who was looking into the corrupt business dealings of one of the institutions in Ukraine, Burisma, this energy company, that then not only paid off Hunter Biden and gave him all sorts of money for his apparent expertise on Ukrainian natural resources, which I don't think Hunter Biden possesses, but also just outright paid five million bucks to Hunter, five million bucks to Joe, according to the allegation. Now, do we believe this allegation? Well, it would it would have appear to have been written in some FBI memoranda. And Senator Chuck Grassley, who is one of the most respected members of the United States Senate, just came out and detailed the dirt that Burisma apparently has on Biden, on the Bidens, to make sure that they kept up their end of the bargain. The foreign national who allegedly bribed Joe and Hunter Biden allegedly has audio recordings of his conversation with them. 17 such recordings. According to the 1023, the foreign national possesses 15 audio recordings of phone calls between him and Hunter Biden. According to the 1023, the foreign national possesses two audio recordings of phone calls between him and then Vice President Joe Biden. These recordings were allegedly kept as a sort of insurance policy for the foreign national in case that he got into a tight spot. The 1023 also indicates that then Vice President Joe Biden may have been involved in Burisma employing Hunter Biden. So Chuck Rasley not telling us anything that normal people didn't already suspect. We had that video. I, you know, I wish I had pulled it, but you've seen it so often now. I've played it on the show many, many times of Joe Biden speaking at the Council on Foreign Relations bragging about how he got this prosecutor fired. And he said, we're going to withhold a billion dollars in aid if you don't fire this prosecutor. Why did he fire the prosecutor? Well, it would appear that that prosecutor was investigating the company that was was 
paying off Hunter Biden, certainly, and according to this allegation, paying off Joe Biden as well. And then, as Chuck Grassley says, detailing his reports from the intelligence community, the Ukrainian oligarchs were keeping these recorded phone calls with Hunter and with Joe, just in case anything ever went south. These are very, very corrupt people. Why does it matter for us? Because the Bidens got millions and millions of dollars on, on political grift selling American influence, wielding the government of the United States for their personal enrichment. No, we all kind of knew that was happening. They're not the first ones to do it. It's a reminder that as we look ahead to 2024, very, very corrupt people. Oh, we do have that clip. Wow, they secretly pulled that clip for me. Can we get that clip of, of Joe Biden uh, bragging about getting this prosecutor fired? They were walking out to press conference. Said, "Nah." I said, "I'm not going to. We're not going to give you the billion dollars." They said, "You have no authority. You're not the president." The president said, "I said, call him." <laughs> I said, "I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars." I said, "You're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here." And I think it was what six hours. I looked. I said, "I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money." Oh, son of a! <laughs> got fired. Well, what do you know? He got fired. Why would Joe Biden brag about this? One, he can't keep his mouth shut. Two, th there's political cleverness in hiding in plain sight. So if he's presenting this at the Council on Foreign Relations, he's presenting this, maybe he thought it was a closed room, but even if he knew it was on camera, he'd say, yeah, look, I felt this was a bad prosecutor. And so of course I did this. I'm proud of it. I'm doubling down on this. His defenders will now say, no, this was just an important part of U.S. policy to get rid of this one random prosecutor who is looking into issues in, in Ukrainian energy companies. Okay, what does it mean when we've got very corrupt people running the government? It means that they will do anything. They are not bound by norms, morals, justice, the law. We all fall short of those things. But people who are notoriously habitually corrupt will do that all of the time. And so if Joe Biden is willing to mess around with a prosecution in Ukraine to enrich himself and to further ensconce himself in power, you don't think he's going to do that here in the United States? He's already sicked his Department of Justice on his chief political rival, and they're now threatening to throw the, that chief political rival, the former president, Donald John Trump, into prison for the rest of his life. You don't want corrupt people around you. You want good people working for you. That's why you got to check out ZipRecruiter. Right now, head on over to ZipRecruiter.com slash Knowles. When you want the best people to hire, you got to check out ZipRecruiter.com slash Knowles. Hiring used to be really hard. You would post your job on multiple sites. You'd hope the right people see it, and then you'd wait for them to apply. Same goes for finding a job. You would upload your resume to every job posting site, spaghetti at the wall. You'd comb through never-ending lists of jobs trying to find the right position for you. ZipRecruiter is the best place to find the right position, or if you're an employer, the right person to join your team. Head on over to ZipRecruiter.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, and try it for free. ZipRecruiter's matching technology excels at finding the most qualified candidates for a wide range of roles. If you see a candidate that you like, you can easily send them a personal invite so they're more likely to apply. It also gives you a competitive edge against other employers who may also be interested in that candidate. Their user-friendly dashboard makes it easy to filter, review, and rate your candidates all from one place. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See for yourself. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Knowles to try ZipRecruiter for free. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash Knowles. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Things are not looking great for Trump from a legal perspective right now. 
The reason for that is not just the crime that they're alleging that Trump committed, not, not just the quality of the crime, but the quantity. They are throwing the kitchen sink at this guy. Dozens of counts against Donald Trump. Why? Because if even one of them sticks, as Jonathan Turley, the often pro-Trump law professor and legal analyst points out, the man could die in prison. The problem is that he's got to run the table. He's 76 years old. All the government has to do is stick the landing on one count and he could have a terminal sentence. Uh, you're talking about crimes that have a 10 or 20 year period as a maximum. The evidence here is quite strong. Now, we haven't heard their other side. I've, you know, generally, these indictments are a lot stronger on the day they're issued mm-hmm. than the next day. So they may be able to knock down some of these issues. But some of this evidence is coming from his former counsel. And these are very damaging uh, statements that have made against him. It may be hard to move those. The fact is, both things may be true. Yes, the Department of Justice may have been out to get him, but he made it easy. I mean, if, if you look at what is being described in this indictment, confronted with someone that he felt was trying to get him, he couldn't have made it more easy for them to do so. He made it easy. And maybe he did. Maybe he did. Donald Trump is not one to go along to get along, to be pushed around, to slap backs and cozy up to the political establishment and wait his place in line. That's not what Trump does. That's not why he got elected. That's not how he became famous. That's just not in the guy's bones. And so Turley, who has long defended Trump, says, yeah, maybe the DOJ is out to get him, but maybe he made it easy for them to get him. Okay. But I don't really care about that last part because they would have gone after him for something. They would have indicted a ham sandwich if that ham sandwich's last name was Trump. They've been trying to get him on completely spurious charges, totally made up in some boardroom at the FBI, or actually more likely in the Clinton campaign since 2016. And now maybe they get him because he moved a box of documents from one room to another. Joe Biden keeps keeps documents all over the place underneath his Corvette where his degenerate son, degenerate seems to be the word of the day. (laughs) because it describes our ruling class. Joe Biden keeps these documents in multiple states. Uh, Going back to his time in the Senate, when he had no no right to to declassify this on a whim, uh, nothing happens. Hillary Clinton has contemporary classified information on a server, easily hackable, no consequences whatsoever. So I, I appreciate Jonathan Turley's analysis. I'm sure he's right. But I don't want to hear this from any of Trump's advocates. I certainly don't want to hear this from any Republican or conservative who's trying to figure out what we do now about this case. I don't want to hear, well, you know, they might have gotten him. No. You know when Trump said I could shoot a guy in Fifth Avenue and, and I wouldn't lose one vote? I'm basically there at this point. And I'm not there even because of any intrinsic quality about Trump. I'm there because of how corrupt our political establishment and legal establishment are that they would go after Trump as a little wrench in the gears. Trump as this weird outsider who kind of broke the rules and they're going to try to kill him for it. They're going to try to have the man die in prison for it. And I just, 
I just don't like that very much. Now, there is a glimmer of hope here for Trump. The judge who's handling this case is a Trump appointee. Her name is Aileen M. Cannon, court official for, or a judge rather, in uh, Southern District of Florida. And she has previously seemed to take Trump's side on this particular issue. So that, that is great. Without violating justice, without violating morality, we need to reward our friends and punish our enemies. That's what the libs do. Well, the libs do that while intentionally violating principles of justice and morality. And then they try to destroy their enemies by any means necessary and reward their friends, especially when their friends are committing criminal acts. And what does the right do? The right for too long has said, well, listen, what the liberals are doing is not right or just. That's true. But hey, Donald Trump, he did jaywalk that one time. And so, look, I think if we're going to be principled, I think we need to send him to Gitmo, you know, because he did, he, there was that one time when the speed limit was 30 miles an hour. And at one point it looked like he was going about 32. So I'm pretty sure we need to send him to the guillotine. To be, look, because we're principled, okay? Now, I don't think that's principled. I think that's cowardly. And I think that without violating principles of morality and justice, which is, that's an important part of it, uh, we need to reward our friends and punish our enemies. And we need to start wielding power to do so. Now, the good news for Trump, in addition to having an apparently favorable judge, is that the people still really like him. Not only are his poll numbers remaining high, they are increasing amid all of these prosecutions and persecutions. Latest Trump we got, or latest Trump, the latest poll we have had from CBS shows Trump is at 61% in the primary field. He's 38 points up on his next closest rival, Ron DeSantis. DeSantis is at 23%. So that's a little over a third of the support that Trump has got. Next up, Tim Scott and Mike Pence. We'll get to Pence in a second. After that, Nikki Haley. After that, Vivek. And then uh, Asa Hutchinson, David Burgum, Burgum Momentum, Burgum Momentum, Larry Elder, and Chris Christie. We're still waiting on the croissants. The croissants, it's, it's going to happen. The people are with Trump. Very clearly, any way you measure it. The question is, do the people still matter to the government? We theoretically have government of the people, by the people, for the people. In practice, I think we all know that is not the case. In the name of expanding democracy, democratic accountability has been shrunk. In the name of expanding democracy, we now have widespread mail-in ballots and ballot harvesting, which, as even Barack Obama would admit at least 10 years ago, opens up the process to a lot of fraud. Every fraudulent ballot cast is a ballot, a legitimate ballot of a real voter that is not cast and the, the power of the people diminishes. Every locker in Michigan that is discovered to have been stuffed with hundreds of mail-in ballots, well, those are hundreds of ballots, hundreds of people whose voices were not heard in the government. That's just the electoral issue. Then you have the issue of, of actual legislation, who passes the laws. It's obviously not the people, and it never was the people at any large scale in the United States. It was supposed to be the people's representatives, but it's not them anymore either. It's a bunch of unaccountable bureaucrats who will remain in power no matter who the president is. In order to have a real effect on the deep state, which now numbers something like two million people, depending on exactly which branches of the government you count, you're looking at a, a federal bureaucracy of about two million people. When a president comes into office, he replaces four to 5,000 of them. That's nothing. And so, so, yeah, okay, he replaces these appointees. They come and go. But the, the powers that actually craft the laws, they remain. 
followed by the judges, for which there is a little bit more democratic accountability, but they tend to rule in ways that advance the cause of liberalism, to say nothing of the national sovereignty that we've sent overseas to international organizations, to, to, to international trade agreements, to, to corporations. The Republicans, in many ways, the conservatives, have been the ones to deregulate such that we've let a lot of power leave the people and go to corporations who theoretically should be accountable to market forces, but very often are not because they've, they've decided to get into cahoots through crony capitalism with other major multinational corporations, as well as multinational organizations like GARM, you know, the, the Alliance for Responsible Media, which is, is nothing more than a pro-leftism, pro-liberalism cartel that is now tied up with the World Economic Forum. So all, all of us, I mean, we could go down this rabbit hole all day long, but all of, all of which is to say the people have given away a lot of their power. And whenever the people do something that the liberal elites don't like, say, elect Donald Trump, for instance, then the, the ruling class will say that it's a threat to democracy. When the people want something that is popular by definition, that is an expression of democracy, but not according to the libs who have supplanted American democracy with liberalism. So the people like Donald Trump, okay, that and a buck 50 might get you a cup of coffee. Or maybe it could have gotten you a cup of coffee during the Trump administration. Now, because of Joe Biden's inflation, you'd probably need more like four fifty or $5. Now, when you want to replace your propane grill tank, you can do that for a very reasonable price very easily. You just got to check out Cinch. Right now, go to cinch.com, use code Knowles. Picture the perfect summer night. The warm breeze on your face as you lounge in your favorite chair outside. The grill is sizzling with those juicy, delicious burgers. The aroma of the food, it's irresistible. Now imagine what this perfect summer night would look like if you went to turn on the grill and your propane tank was empty. That's where our friends at Cinch come in. Cinch is a propane grill tank home delivery service. They deliver propane grill tanks right to your door. Cinch delivers on your schedule and requires no long-term commitment or subscription. Plus, delivery is completely contactless. You don't have to wait around at home. You track the order on the Cinch app from anywhere. Whether you're grilling steaks or lighting up the patio heaters on a chilly night, Cinch's propane delivery service ensures that you have the fuel that you need to make the most of every moment. Go online to cinch.com or download the Cinch app to order. New customers can get their first tank exchange for just 10 bucks with promo code Knowles. Cinch.com or download the Cinch app, C-Y-N-C-H. Use promo code Knowles to get your first tank exchange for just 10 bucks. It's a limited time offer. You must live within a Cinch service area to redeem it. Go to cinch.com slash offer for details. Trump for his party says he's never going to leave. Interview in Politico, he says, I will never leave. Look, if I would have left, I would have left prior to the original race in 2016. That was a rough one. In theory, that was not doable. But the, and actually, you know, it's kind of funny. Trump, in this quote, uses the word that I've been using all day long. That was not intentional that I've, I followed him. He said, these are thugs and degenerates who are after me. So, so true. Now, the question for Republicans is, do, do we just finally need an alternative? Is that it? Does Trump just have too much baggage? Are they just after him too hard? Is there no way to overcome the attacks on him? Do we need an alternative? Denis Dene Benton, who is some Broadway person, gave us the answer to that question the other night at the Tony Awards when she referred to the number two guy in the Republican race for president as, uh, I'll, I'll let her put it in her own words. Hi, I'm Denae Benton, actor, <laughs> thank you, and proud CMU alum. 
tonight, CMU and the Tony Awards presented the 2023 Excellence in Theater Education Award. And while I am certain that the current Grand Wizard, I'm sorry, excuse me, governor of my home state of Florida will be changing. town immediately. <laughs> we were honored to present this award to the truly incredible and oh, I think we get the point. Jason I think we can cut Zimbic off Denny, Denny Benton. Okay. Ooh, <laughs> did you hear? She called Ron DeSantis a racist. Woo, wow. What an amazing comedy routine. What, what incisive humor that really allows me to see Governor DeSantis in a new and shocking light. Wow. Boy, that's it. That's showbiz for you. This reminds me of of, uh, back in the Bush administration, Bush 2. Christopher Hitchens, who for all his problems was pretty funny. Christopher Hitchens goes on the Bill Maher show. And Bill Maher made a joke about how George Bush was stupid. And the audience started clapping and guffawing. He said, what? (laughs) George Bush is stupid. And Christopher Hitchens said, you know, this is ridiculous. Not one person in your audience is smarter than George Bush. He said, George Bush is a a rather intelligent person, and the George Bush's stupid line is the joke that stupid people laugh at. (laughs) And the audience started booing him, and then he flipped them all off because he he didn't really care. That's how I feel here. Ooh, hey, I got got one for you. Ready? I'm going to speak truth to power and be really funny. Ready? Here we go. Republicans are racist. (laughs) Yeah, okay. So regardless of what this says about the Dems and the Libs and the showbiz people, this also tells you what the race is going to look like no matter who gets the nomination. Any Republican who gets the nomination will be Hitler. Any Republican. Maybe you prefer Ron DeSantis right now because you think DeSantis would be a better nominee. Totally fair argument. Great. Have that argument all day long. But if you prefer Ron DeSantis or any other Republican because you think he's clean and the Democrats aren't going to hate him and the Democrats aren't going to wield their massive political power to convince the centrists and the moderates and the squishy libs to, to hate him, you are out of your mind. Ron DeSantis will be super duper mega Hitler if he becomes the nominee. Asa Hutchinson will be super duper mega Hitler if he becomes the nominee. Donald Trump is, far from being the most extreme, obnoxious, shocking, terrible, fringe candidate we've ever run, he's one of the most acceptable to the liberal hordes that we've ever run as a Republican Party. Donald Trump was a network television star for 15 years. Donald Trump was a member of New York liberal society for 40 years. Donald Trump was a tabloid star. He was, he was wrapped of in hundreds of hip hop songs. You do not get any more mainstream acceptable to the liberal culture than Donald Trump. And they turned him into mega Hitler. And they're going to do the same thing to anybody. Notice, it's not even that they said Ron DeSantis is racist. They said he's the grand wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. Okay. It's going to be, they would do it to Mike Pence. Mike Pence 
is running for president. And, and a lot of people don't think he's going to go very far as president. And that's probably true. The poll numbers are not looking, looking very good for Mike Pence. Some people are making fun of his campaign aesthetic. And there, I think they're somewhat misguided. Mike Pence's campaign aesthetic is directly out of the 1980s. Mike Pence's campaign aesthetic is like the, the Reagan-Bush t-shirts that you see on college campuses a lot of the time. Frat guys will wear them. Reagan-Bush 84. I want to be your president for the 1980s. That, that is what, it's in the fonts, it's in the colors, it's in the way that his photograph is a little bit faded. It, this is all intentional. And it's intentional because Mike Pence is running as the real return to normalcy. Joe Biden ran pretty overtly as the return to normalcy, and he was elected. But as we can all tell, we are not returning to normal. We have transvestites stripping on the White House lawn, as Joe Biden says, they're the most courageous people he's ever met. So that the, the normalcy didn't happen. Mike Pence is running as the real deal because Mike Pence is a politician of a different era. He's a Republican of a different era. He's even a gentleman of a different era. He's a very amiable, polite gentleman. And we don't see that a lot these days, certainly not on the left, but not even really on the right. And so Mike Pence's campaign, he knows he doesn't have a shot in the Trump lane. There's already two guys in the Trump lane. He knows he doesn't have a shot in the young next generation lane. So Mike Pence's campaign is nostalgia. And nostalgia is a very powerful emotion. Nostalgia can, can really take people pretty far. Nostalgia is history after a few drinks also. And so I, ultimately, I don't think it's successful. But he's capitalizing on a nicer version, a, a, a more optimistic happier version of what Trump has capitalized on. Make America great again. America used to be great. Now it's extremely degenerate and disheartening. And we're going to go make it great again. And the way Trump is going to make it great again is by just absolutely pummeling his enemies. Ron DeSantis, the way that Ron DeSantis is going to make America great again is by parsing very specific policy and turning the levers of power in a way that will destroy wokeism, destroy leftism, reduce the power of the administrative state. Okay, so he's, he's doing it in a little bit more focused way. And the way Mike Pence is going to make America great again is by just being normal, just forgetting about all this modern stuff, not really dealing with it, just putting up the nice glossy red, white, and blue campaign flyers, Mike Pence is running for president. It's a real long shot. It's a smarter campaign strategy than many of the other people in the Republican field. Speaking of nostalgia, I meant to get to this yesterday. The third longest serving Italian prime minister, Silvio Berlusconi, died over the weekend. Berlusconi is one of the few people, he might be the only person in contemporary politics as a world leader who can rightly claim to have paved the way for Trump. Berlusconi has been a major Italian political figure for most of my life, he really, he rose to power in the mid-90s, and he just kept coming back into power. He changed his political party, changed the, the, the way things worked. He owned the media. He was the richest guy in Europe. And he was so freaking funny 
Berlusconi uh, is even getting some plaudits from his critics, and they really hated this guy when he was alive. But the Telegraph put together a just a quick little montage of some of Berlusconi's most delightful moments. So Berlusconi got in trouble because it turned out he was having all of these sex parties. He was having all sorts of orgies and stripper parties in private, not on the White House lawn, but but in private at his you know zillion dollar mansions with all of his rich friends. One of the girls that he was sleeping with was the niece of Hosni Mubarak, the old leader of Egypt. And, and he, these parties got to be called bunga bunga parties. And bunga bunga became a really popular phrase. Apparently he learned the phrase bunga bunga from Muammar Gaddafi, the former leader of Libya. It's just this absurd, colorful life. So anyway, here's a, just a little montage to give you a sense of Berlusconi. Here he is. He's talking to a couple gals at some political event. He says to the blonde gal, you're so good, I'm almost forced to invite you to some bunga bunga. <laughs> and then he says to the man, he goes, yeah, you're pretty enough. You could come too. And now he's speaking... Berlusconi says, okay, I'll give you my regards from someone. What's his name? What's his name? He's a guy who's a little bit tan. You know, he's got a little bit of a tan. Oh, yeah, Barack Obama. Then one time he says, look, I work very, very hard. I work without interruption. Sometimes I see a pretty girl. And I say, it's better to be passionate for beautiful girls than to be gay. One time he's walking by, he sees what looks like maybe a police officer or chauffeur or some woman, walks up behind her and just starts gyrating his hips right behind her. And then when she realizes what's going on, he just kind of walks away laughing. One time, one time Angela Merkel, Chancellor of Germany, was waiting to greet him on a red carpet. He gets out of the car, sees Merkel, and then just goes and takes a phone call and, and makes her wait for him. The guy was just a total pimp, you know, and he engaged in lots of immoral behavior, and I, I hope he's been forgiven for those things. <laughs> but as far as a political leader goes, he's just one of the greatest of, of our lifetime. And he paved the way for Trump, not just in his brash, media mogul, billionaire, celebrity, playboy kind of style, but in his populism. He, and he paved the way for even people who were more populist in Italy. But during the rise of Berlusconi, he was really on the side of the people. In a, in a way that liberal politics just had not been for a lot of the 20th century in Italy or in America or anywhere really in the West. And Berlusconi comes out and he says, look, there's something wrong with this liberal system and we're going to give more of a, a voice for the people. And increasingly, that's where conservative politics is headed. Now, despite this lackluster economy, the Daily Wire is thriving. Not only that, we are hiring. We are currently looking for a motion designer to join our fast-growing creative department. You will work alongside designers and video editors with direction from the director of video advertising to make animations for trailers, promos, and brand ads. The motion designer will take great art and make it excellent by adding movement. You will need to be able to take input and direction from supervisors and thrive on receiving creative and constructive feedback. Bonus points for experience working in 2D, 3D, and or... Cinema 4D and illustration. The position is based in Nashville, Tennessee. For more information and to apply, visit dailywire.com slash careers, dailywire.com slash careers today. Speaking of gaffes, here's a big gaffe from the Biden administration. According to a government watchdog, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre has violated the Hatch Act. Now, this is very ironic because anytime that a conservative reporter, usually Peter Ducey, asks Corinne Jean-Pierre about 
any of Joe Biden's problems, maybe his health problems, maybe if he's going to consider campaigning for president, if he's going to go to any debates, if he's anything, really basic questions that would pertain to the president's schedule. Corrine Jean-Pierre says, Peter, I can't answer those questions. I can't answer questions about the campaign. That would be a violation of the Hatch Act. The Hatch Act, which says that people working for the government cannot engage in political campaign activity. I can't, that would be illegal, Peter. And now she has been found by this government inspector to have violated the Hatch Act. This is even being reported by NBC News. Office of Special Counsel determined that when Corinne Jean-Pierre referred to MAGA Republicans, she used her official authority and influence for the purpose of interfering with or affecting the result of an election. Of course, of course, this is a minor thing. The Hatch Act is largely symbolic or illusory, actually. Obviously, the people working for the government are regularly engaged in at least implicit campaign activities. The whole reason the president has a press secretary, especially during campaign season, is so that she can present the work of the government in such a way that will get the guy reelected. But it's a reminder, these guys lie all the time. They're very, very corrupt. Anything you could accuse the Republicans of, these guys are doing 10 times worse. And the problem is because they wield the vast majority of power in the country, they're going to get away with it. And then they're going to throw our guys in prison for even maybe sort of seeming like they're doing the same thing. Speaking of scandal, this is a a pretty big news story, and it's not getting nearly enough coverage. The, where is it? Yes, the largest Catholic health system in the country is uh, transing people. So this this is a report out from the Lepanto Institute, Catholic Institute. Common Spirit Health and the sex change industry. So I'll just get here to the executive summary. I recommend you read the whole report. It's really good. The largest health system in the U.S., Common Spirit Health, is acting directly against Catholic moral teaching in direct defiance of its Catholic identity. The report shows that it's performing, that the the health group is performing transgender surgeries, providing hormone-based transgender therapies, providing puberty blockers to children under the offices of so-called gender-affirming care, is financially subsidizing same activities through its employee benefits packages, is financially subsidizing medical institutions performing these procedures and therapies, is providing all forms of modern contraception, including abortifacient drugs, so drugs that kill babies even after conception, but also contraception, which again, not allowed according to Catholic moral teaching, and it's even performing elective abortions and surgical sterilizations, obviously both, both not permitted at all. Catholic moral teaching. Major, major scandal. And they even have just a list of all of the hospitals affiliated with this group and the things they provide. Sex change surgeries, transgender health services, whatever. Even abortion, you think abortion. None of these things, if you're a Catholic, are you allowed to engage in. But abortion in particular, the right to life is not just one right among many. It's the fundamental right from which all the other rights derive. All of these things being performed by Catholics. There's an old line, and I will adapt it to our political use here. When Rome catches a cold, the rest of the culture catches pneumonia. When the Catholic Church messes something up, goes a little weak on something, 
falls into scandal, the rest of the culture will feel extraordinarily outsized ramifications for that. Because the Catholic Church, whatever you think about the Catholic Church, maybe you're Catholic, maybe you're not Catholic, maybe you don't like Catholics. The Catholic Church has been the pillar of Western civilization for 2,000 years. The Catholic Church is, is the institution that stands very hardcore on issues that other institutions have given way on, on issues like abortion, on issues like human nature, on issues like marriage. The Catholic Church doesn't change. There's just one, I think it's divinely instituted, but even if you don't think it's divinely instituted, just the weight of history, the inertia of that institution. So when, when there are chinks in the armor there, that, is, that has huge ripple effects throughout the West, throughout the whole world, really. It also reminded me, I mean, one, whoever is in charge of this over at the Vatican, whoever's overseeing this needs to get on this immediately. This is a massive, massive scandal. This is massive, massive, grave mortal sin, deeply, deeply evil, and they, they need to stop this. But in addition to that, it got me thinking about my YouTube ban. Uh, why, why did I get banned from YouTube for this week? I guess I'll be back next week. Then we see what happens. It's because I refuse to believe in transgenderism. I don't think that transgenderism offers a, an accurate account of human nature. I don't think a man can really be a woman. On YouTube now, un until very recently, until last week, I guess, you were allowed to disagree with transgenderism, transgender ideology on YouTube. Today, you're not. And it occurred to me, this is a form of anti-Catholic discrimination, a very clear form, but, and not just anti-Catholic, anti-Christian, anti-Muslim, anti-Jewish, anti-philosophy, <laughs> anti-reason discrimination. But I'll just speak from my own standpoint here as a mackerel snapping papist, a member of the mystical body of Christ and the uh, a confirmed member of the oldest institution in the West that, that has shaped the West. I cannot say that a man is a woman. I cannot participate in the transgender ideology. That would be a sin for me to do. I would be imperiling my soul. I would be not only violating my conscience, I would be violating my faith if I did that. YouTube is demanding that I do that. YouTube is demanding that all of you, if you're Catholic, that you do that. That if you're Protestant, unless you're a member of some Protestant denomination that's embraced transgenderism, and I'm, maybe there are some, but I can't imagine there are all that many, then YouTube is demanding that you Protestants violate your conscience and your faith. Unless you're a Reformed Jew with like a, a lady rabbi who eats you know, bacon-wrapped shellfish on Friday nights, if you're a serious religious Jew... YouTube is demanding that you violate your conscience and your faith and your religion. If you're a Muslim, YouTube is demanding that you violate your conscience and your religion by affirming this obviously false anthropology. Is YouTube going to get away with that? Maybe they will because we have a new established state religion, and it's the religion of that flag that was hanging right there in the center of the White House, uh, the White House facade right in between those columns and flanked by two American flags while transvestites jiggled topless, stripping in front of the president, the first lady of the United States. 
Maybe that's the established church and Christianity and Judaism and Islam and all the rest of it is being suppressed. The, the Christians are going back to the catacombs. Maybe that's where we are. But we should at least call it like we see it while it's happening. We should at least allow YouTube to know. I, I've, um, since I'm off, off the channel this week, uh, Candace made a point. She said, go over and subscribe to our channels. Keep those channels going. YouTube is going to try to slowly suppress this channel. So if you have a moment and you're on YouTube this week, head on over, subscribe to the Michael Knowles Show channel. Really stick it to those jerks. We'll see if we're back on next week or not. In the meantime, though, we've got to talk about aliens. Something that um, some people in this building namely my friend and colleague, Matt Walsh. They really want to talk about the aliens. Aliens, of course, do not exist. I'll be speaking with my friend, Cabot Phillips from Morning Wire about this. The rest of the show continues now. You do not want to miss it. Become a member. Use code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, at checkout for two months free on all annual plans.